Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Get a load of this. This is episode number 499. We've been talking about it for a few weeks that episode 500 is coming up, and now it is just days away. I started this show five years ago because, you know what? I needed some inspiration. And if I know anything in the world is true, it's that success leaves clues. So I started the show so I could interview really interesting entrepreneurs. And now 500 episodes later, it's like my own personal, it's like my own personal university where I get access to really interesting people who are doing cool things, growing their companies, serving their communities, etc. And once a month, if you're a regular listener, ever since the start of 2019, the first Thursday of every month, the episode is co-produced in partnership with the Austin Technology Council. The ATC is the largest tech industry organization in Central Texas. The Austin Technology Council empowers members by using insights, resources, and connections so that their members can succeed and thrive. And this uh, this conversation is uh, one of these special episodes, and our guest today has been a member of the Austin Technology Council since it was the Austin Software Council. That goes all the way back to the 90s. So I'm really excited because this is her third company, and we are going to get some really good advice and some tidbits from Jean Ann Booth. She is the CEO and founder of Unaliware. Hey, Jean Ann, thank you for uh, being part of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do on this special ATC episode. Thank you so much, for Tom, for having me. And, you know, I've always wanted to be one of the cool kids. So I'm really excited. <laughs> you and me both. You know, I, in high school, I wasn't one of the cool kids. So when I could, I just invented my own table and created this podcast. And everybody wants to come here. So it works out really well. So, <laughs> so Jean Ann, I, I don't really read like the fancy bios that like your PR people put together and all that. So who is Jean Ann Booth and, and what is you Nallyware? Who is Jean Ann Booth? Let's see. As Bone and Augusta <laughs> Joj. And that's actually true. Um, <laughs> I'm an Army brat. I grew up 10 states, two countries outside of the U.S. I uh, went to the University of Texas uh, for electrical engineering back in the day. And since then, have been working in technology uh, 30 years in semiconductors. Then I retired after selling a couple of companies and then came back out of retirement to start Unaliware. So, you, so before we before we talk about Unaliware, let's back up. So you started off working for corporations, and then you said, "Hey, I'm going to make the leap and be an entrepreneur." What was that all about? Yeah. So, um, goodness, I had been in semiconductors for over a decade. Well, backing up even more from that, NASA put me through college, so I, I paid my way each semester by working the semester before at Johnson Space Center. And so the great thing was when I got out of college, I had two years work experience. Mm. And so I worked in industrial process control for a couple of years and then went into semiconductors, did a decade there, and then went into my first startup company. And it was one, if you remember the days when Steve Jobs was um, allowing the cloning of the Macintosh 
Oh, yeah. I, I fully remember that. There was a company here in Austin that was the leader of that. Right. So Power Computing yeah. actually made the computers. Yep. And the semiconductor company behind that was called Exponential Technology. And so I joined Exponential Technology as a part of the, the executive team in the Austin office. Um, and they didn't make it not even another nine more months. <laughs> but it was a very interesting experience because um, my very first entrepreneurial journey, I got to actually watch the shutdown of something that didn't succeed. Mm. Yeah, I remember those days because I remember that was going to be the big thing because, of course, the the PCs had all been able to be cloned and that was going to be the next phase of Apple. And then they just totally re reversed on that. And that was the end of power computing and apparently of the semiconductor company that you worked for. Yeah, that was that was definitely the end of, of exponential technology. It's kind of hard to sell a, a a Macintosh clone if you can't get a hold of the Macintosh ROM. <laughs> <laughs> so you've spent pretty much your whole career working here in Austin then. Yeah, pretty much so, except for when I went to college, you know, I'd go back and forth to Houston. But other than that, I've I've been here since the late 70s. So it's interesting because I moved here in 1991 and I always make the joke that, you know, when, when I moved here, there were 800,000 people. There's now 2.3 million and we've built one road. So the traffic kind of sucks. But beyond that, Austin always had sort of this tech arm. And if you were working in the semiconductor world, you were plugged into that even pre-Austin sort of being on that technology map. What was Austin like back then? You know, it was, I mean, some parts of it were still the same. Some parts of it, of course, you know, certainly the traffic were, were quite a bit different. Back in those days, we had a pretty, pretty healthy semiconductor, I don't know, environment. We called it, you know, Silicon Hills. Um, and now it's not quite as big a, a, a part of what we do. But, you know, I've certainly seen all of that growth. When I bought my house, I lived in West Austin, and then I lived in Central Austin. And, you know, now I live downtown and I haven't moved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, yeah. The definition of what was West and Central and, and downtown has shifted and your house has stayed in the same place. That's funny. I like that. So, so what do you think the biggest change is then over the last you know, I mean, we could say 30 years, but let's really let's really look at the last 10 years when it comes to sort of the tech community of the business community in Austin. What's been the biggest change? You know, I think the biggest change has just been the growth and maturation of the ecosystem as a whole. I mean, you know, in the early days um, for, for me, the early days, you know, Austin was very defined by the culture of, of the people really, I, I call them, you know, driven by our hippies, you know, the people who created Eeyore's birthday party and, you know, celebrations like that. And, and that coolness is still there, but we've also had the opportunity to grow up and mature and, and have more opportunity and, and create things that we couldn't have created before. So it's kind of like the way I put it is this, you know, when, when I first moved to Austin, if your refrigerator went out, you had to take time off of work to get a new refrigerator because the appliance stores were only open Monday through Friday, <laughs> 9 to 4 p.m. And, of course, that's not the case now. And, and it's a similar kind of growth and maturation in our technology ecosystem. So what's, what's really interesting kind of along those lines is the other thing I think the biggest change has been the last 15 years is when we were a town of less than a million people – a university with 50,000 students had a huge impact on everything that took place in Austin. As a town of 2.3 million, a university of 50,000 people still has an impact, but it's not nearly as, as, as evident as I think it used to be. I think we used to be a giant college town, and now we're a big city with a big college. 
Yeah, that that's very true. I mean, it used to be that I always knew exactly what UT schedule is. And now I only know UT schedule um, from the perspective of the entities that I do work with at UT. Sure, absolutely. So let's jump over now and talk about your company. So this is the third company that, that you've grown. You've, you've, you've grown the others successfully. Let's talk a little bit about, about Unaliware. What is, what is Unaliware? <laughs> Unaliware. So, so, you know, the first thing people ask me is, you know, what is it with that name and how do you say it anyway? Um, and Unaliware um, comes from the Cherokee word Unali which means friend. And we have a, a watch, uh, focus groups call it a wearable OnStar for people. And we call that our Kanega watch. Kanega is the Cherokee word for speak. So we're the friend who speaks to you, which to me was so much more meaningful than, you know, life alert and life assist and assist me and help me now. And all those really stigmatizing, undignifying things I'm much more interested in growing old with my friend. <laughs> I love I love the idea of what you said. It's like the OnStar for people. So this is a wearable product that much like OnStar in your car, if there's an emergency, you're just a touch away from, from that friend. Is that right? Actually, it's not even touch, it's speech. You talk to your watch, he talks to you. Um, and like my watch is named the way my mom named it. So my mom named her watch Fred Astaire. Get help. I think I heard you ask for help. <laughs> oh. Contacting the operator. Press the crown button once if you do not need help, and I will cancel the call. And that's exactly how it works. You talk to him, he talks to you. That's awesome. And just for the record, she then did push the crown button because she didn't really need help. So it was... Uh... <laughs> Actually, my watch um, calls me, not the not the medical alarm call center that backs our service. <laughs> they don't want to hear me do that all day. I was going to say, because you're, do- you're doing demos for everybody, so... <laughs> So, so, so that's awesome. So how did you get into this field? I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is help. I've fallen and I can't get up. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, I had uh, two semiconductor companies that I either started or was a founder of both of them sold well and, and I had retired. And when I retired, I was a dive master on a liveaboard scuba diving boat, uh, based out of Key West. It was awesome. <laughs> um, and then my mom turned 80. And my mom, if you ever go look at our website, unaliware.com, you'll see this gorgeous woman. That was my mom. And she was a model all of my life. Poor mom. You know, she, she, she has an engineer for a daughter and she's a model and I'm, I'm like not. And so, um, <laughs> so, so um, you know, she turned 80. Um, she was totally, you know, cognitively capable, but physically quite frail. And so we had that conversation, you know, mom, what can we do to keep you safe, to keep you independent, you know, to have a great life? And, you know, I did the engineering thing. I showed up at her place with a spreadsheet of all of the little pendants you could get and the passive monitoring systems and, you know, went through all of it with pictures with mom and the whole time she's getting further and further away from me. And then she finally looks at me and she goes, don't you get that for me? I'm not wearing it. <laughs> And later I left, but at the time, you know, I don't, I don't know if you remember that look that your parents may have given you when you were a teenager, you know, the one that said, Tom, you are in trouble. <laughs> that was that look. And, you know, I'm not a teenager and haven't been for a really long time. <laughs> so, um, so, so I knew that she really, really meant it. And I, I was, you know, I was off the boat for a couple of weeks and I was talking to some of the co-founders that, that I've worked with before. And we were talking about what what we needed to do for my mom and millions of people like her. 
And we came up with this technology that is our quick swap battery system in the band. And, and what it means is that you never have to take your Kanega watch off to charge. So we're able to keep our population safe when they're most vulnerable to the number one cause of injury death, which is falls in the bathroom at night. So that would be when an Apple Watch or a Samsung Gear would be charging is when they're most vulnerable. So you jumped back into entrepreneurship to come up with this ability for your mom and others to be able to have access if they have some sort of an emergency. And yet it's not like a big plastic box hanging on a chain around her neck. It's a fashionable wristwatch. Yeah, yeah. So so we, we, uh, we came to market in early 2018. With the first generation, it was a medical grade stainless steel, a little heavy, a little thick. Um, next month, the fourth generation cellular LTE version of the Canego watch ships, and it comes in champagne gold, rose gold with a shimmer mesh band, and um, black. Nice. And what has much, been much like- what has been the response uh, from people who would be like your mom, from eighty year old women who are fashion conscious? What has been the response to the product? The response has been really, really good. And actually, it's not just 80-year-old women. So our the first-generation watch has wearers all the way across the U.S. today who range in age from 16 to 100. Hmm. The average age is only 75, and that's a full decade younger than all of those traditional medical alerts like the ones you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So um, we we actually appeal to a younger demographic. Of course, that includes seniors, but it also includes um, people who have MS or Lou Gehrig's or Parkinson's or epilepsy, um, Down syndrome, disabled veterans, traumatic brain injury, generally anybody who's independent but vulnerable. Wow, what a, what a great product. So, Jean Ann, what do you love about entrepreneurship? I mean, you've jumped back into it for a third time. What is it, what is it that you love versus having, you know, you start off working for big companies. What, what do you love about being, being the person creating your own destiny? Yeah, well, <laughs> I think you just said it. <laughs> um, it and there's a lot of, um, you know, there's there's a lot of truth to the, you know, entrepreneurial drive to know that you can actually do something, perhaps that others say that can't be done, um, or or just that you really feel very strongly needs to be done. So early in this company. I uh, was at a trade show and I saw the um, Phillips Lifeline pendant people, their VP of R&D. And, and he looks at me in all sincerity in his Dutch wisdom and he says, Jean-Ann, you can't do fall detection on the wrist. We've tried. And, and I told him what I tell all of my engineers, and remember I'm one too, and that is if you're an engineer and you think it can't be done, you're right. So we have fall detection on the wrist and it works quite well. <laughs> That's awesome. So if people would like to sort of follow their dream and, and go for it and build something, maybe they have an idea that could revolutionize something for someone they care about. What advice do you have for people who, who want to, to jump into these waters, but maybe haven't done it before? Wow. So, so I think there's a couple of things. Um, you know, the first thing is to realize that, that entrepreneurship is, is seriously lonely. So it really takes a village, and you're going to have to create that village of, of the people who are going to help you when you need that help. And, and the, the second part, people talk about this all the time, but I don't think they quite get it. 
And, and that is the degree of tenacity that it takes is a lot more than anybody ever really understands. And, and, and I, I would put it this way. Uh, my best friend, who is, a, is a, a key part of my village, would say to me things like, you know, when I'd, when I'd be like, well, I'm just not sure I'm going to keep doing this company. She'd be like, well, are there more paths to go down? Well, yes. Well, then you're not done yet. <laughs> right? So, the, you know, the key to actually getting there is to having that tenacity that says, I can do this. I will do this and we will make a difference. I like that. I like that. So one of the things I do is I go into companies and I work with teams. I do like a, like a three hour workshop about the gap that exists between potential and performance for both individuals and for the team. Now, because you go all the way back to the days when the Austin Technology Council was the Austin Software Council, you have seen, I mean, you've obviously been part of, of three now successful companies, but you've seen hundreds, if not thousands of people who have tried to start and grow businesses. And there is this gap between potential, because when people start the business, we're all like, oh, wow, what a great idea. They've got so much potential. But a lot of people never make it anywhere. And yet, some people just go whoosh all the way across that gap and they have huge, huge successes. What do you think are some of the things that contribute to that gap between potential and results? Well, I mean, there is certainly, you know, there is, there is an aspect of luck, okay? So, um, you know, if you've been successful and you don't attribute that piece, then you're missing, you know, part of your gratitude opportunity because you got lucky on top of working hard. Um, but I think, I think the other, you know, the other piece kind of comes back to when I look at what it is I'm going to do, the question is, do I, am I so strongly believing that this can be done, should be done and makes a difference that I'm able to keep going even on the days that I don't want to keep going. Right. And so, so that, let me put it a different way. You know, with what we do, wearable OnStar for people, right? A voice-enabled interface to being able to provide discrete support for falls and medication reminders and all those things that we do. It's a great idea. And if I had a dollar for everybody who told me they had that idea, I would have never had to fundraise. <laughs> the only difference is we executed on it. They didn't. Well, I think that I think that's true, and I think it's it's the execution, and it goes back to what you said before about about tenacity. Uh, that's often one of those secret little the, the secret little nuggets that people forget about is that you know when you want to quit, you got to keep going. I mean, I found that you know I've been working for myself for ten years, and I'm a total solopreneur. I, I speak at association conferences and inside at company meetings, and I only really get business because of word of mouth. I mean, I, I do a lot of marketing, but the reason people book me is they've seen me speak and they say, "Wow, he's he's." good. We'll have him at our meeting. Or it's somebody who maybe listens to this podcast and says, oh, let's give him a shot. But nobody ever kind of goes out and says, hmm, let's Google who our speaker's going to be. Usually it's they're, they're following <laughs> some sort of a thing. So I have some ups and downs. I mean, it's hard to live in a word of mouth business because I can't control who's going to be the one who does it. And every time I think, oh, I've, I've plateaued out, I've reached the end, I keep going and all of a sudden, it all comes back again. And so I think that that tenacity piece and not being fast to quit uh, is is right on. So I think you got you you got some good advice. So Jean Ann, I've got a couple more questions before I let you go. But yes. first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, 
almost now for 500 episodes, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Jean Ann Booth. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Jean Ann, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing happening with you, Nollywear, right now? Oh, my God. You know, what's, I think what is most cool about us, this new version of the Canega watch that comes in the champagne gold and the rose gold and the black colors, it's only 49 grams. That's the same weight as an Apple Watch 4, but it's got all of the patented goodness that, that works for independent but vulnerable populations. I think what's really cool about what we do is that it's cool. It's help for people that is not stigmatizing. Number one question I get from people who don't know any better is, hey, Jean Ann, is that the latest Apple Watch? And of course I say, no, it's better than an Apple Watch. (laughs) (laughs) It's my watch. I did did this. (laughs) Well, we did. I have a phenomenal team. (laughs) So how many people are in the company? How big is the company now? You know, we're actually quite small. We are less than 10. Wow. And you're, yes, do, and you're doing all this with less than 10 people. That's amazing. It's, it's actually even a little bit more amazing than that because it's our embedded hardware, our embedded software, our cloud software, and our artificial intelligence that drives all of this. So, um, like I said, they're really, really, really good. It's kind of an exciting story to know that you can get this far, have all proprietary uh, pieces that make up a physical product like a watch. It's working and it's selling and people are getting excited about it. And there's 10 of you. (laughs) Yeah. Now, that's what I like. So so it's great. I mean, I, I interview from people from all over the world for this show, but I love these special co-produced episodes with the Austin Technology Council because I am blown away. I, I mean, I've been pretty active in the Austin business community over the past 25 years. I am blown away when I meet someone new like you who has this incredible product. I think the whole world needs to be listening and going and checking out Unaliware. So Before I let you go, I have two questions I love to ask everyone who comes on the show. The first one is, in the world of entrepreneurship, in the entrepreneur sphere, if you will, who is it that you admire? Because we could talk about the three cool companies you've founded and about your engineering background, all the cool stuff you've done, the diving off of Key West, way cool. However, I think great entrepreneurs are observers. So I love to ask people who are entrepreneurs, who do you see out there where you say, wow, she or he, they're the ones doing cool things. So I have to actually answer the question from the perspective, n- not in terms of entrepreneurs, but from the, the perspective of, of who's taught me the lessons that have helped me create companies that have driven to success. And so one of those is my best friend, who was the one who taught me, if there are still paths to go down, then you're not done yet. Um, another of those is is local... Um, Heroine Jan Ryan, who taught me that, you know, there's a time 
there's at least one time in every entrepreneur's life where you get a little angry because you get tired of saying the same thing and everybody just doesn't get it. And she's like, you know, Jeanne, you can't let it show. And she's and I cool. To- I know, I know, I know her and she's really cool. She's super, super cool. Um, and, and that's, that's, that's super important. So, so really it's not as much, I don't as admire as much the work that people are doing in their companies, unless their company has a, a beneficial purpose, you know, like, like what I love the most about Unaliware. Um, what's more cool to me is the people who are a part of the village that helps to make your journey a successful one for you, for your investors. And in the case of really cool things like what we do, all of those independent but vulnerable people. And we are fortunate when you talk about sort of the, the, the village, the entrepreneur sphere in Austin, we are very fortunate. There are people young and old and everything in between who really do come together and really contribute. And there are so many people who are there to advise everybody, whether you're, you know, just a one man shop like me, or you're someone growing a product and, 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 you know, or a larger service, there's always people willing to be part of that sort of community and, and that journey here in town. So I think we're very lucky and we're lucky to have groups like the Austin Technology Council. So Jean Ann, the last question the last question is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think if we're fortunate, and clearly you've been fortunate, you've had some really successful exits. If you're, you know, if you're successful, I think it's our responsibility to give back to that greater good. So what do you do? So what I try to do is to, well, I would say pay it forward, but I don't know if it's pay it forward or pay it back. But um, I, I tend to try to work with accelerators um, entrepreneurial programs at UT, the Women in Engineering program, um, all of those types of, of groups to provide a, a different perspective and a different um, role model, perhaps, than what everybody's used to seeing. And, and I do the same thing. And one of the other things that I do, I do a lot of work with um, FIRST for Inspiration and Recognition of Science and Technology. It's a, a nonprofit um, it's, it's organized around robotics competitions, but it's so not about the robot. <laughs> and so um, I'm, I'm a, a judge uh, on the international level, starting in the middle school range all the way through high school. And I love going and being a technical judge because I go in to, the, to, the, uh, to talk to the teams and the kids send out their PR people because they see this woman. And I ask the PR people, hey, on your robot, do you have a closed loop control or an open loop control? And they're like, Wait, wait, wait. You can't be doing that. You're a girl. (laughs) So I think that's part of giving back because it's really important to break those stereotypes early. Um, If I had known that I wasn't supposed to be an engineer, uh, I'm not sure how the world would have been different, but it would have been different. (laughs) Well, I think that's great. And as the father of two daughters, I think that's awesome when people are out there being those role models and leading and opening doors and cracking that ceiling. I think that's awesome. Hey, Jean Ann, thank you so much for, for jumping in and being on episode 499 of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If someone's listening to this and they're thinking, oh my gosh, I or someone I know could use this product, or if someone is like, this lady inspired me, I have to find out more about her, how do people find you and you Nollywear? www.unaliwear.com. And go to order now if you want to pre-sale one of those Canago watches that ships next month. 
Awesome. Well, thank you again for for jumping on here and being a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And thank you to the Austin Technology Council for co-producing this episode here as we kick off the month of October. And most importantly, thank you to all of you who tuned in. I say it every single episode. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you so much. If this is the first time you've ever listened to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, there are 498 other episodes back in the archives. Go pick a few and check them out. And we're not stopping now. We're just getting started. Uh, Much like when I became a professional speaker, somebody told me it was going to be 300 to 500 speeches before you were ever going to get good. Well, guess what? We're just hitting 500 episodes of this podcast. I think maybe we're just getting started. So uh, keep tuning in every Tuesday and Thursday, and uh, we'll have a lot more people leaving little nuggets, little inspirations, little ideas and theories. Because as I said in the beginning, success leaves clues. All right. So go on out there. Thank you. Go on out there. Try something new. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.